Hey guys, this is Adam from the podcast and you are listening to Quick Clips. Quick Clips are condensed versions from one of our previous podcast episodes, featuring some of the interesting things our guests had to say. If you want to hear the full episode, we'll have it in the show notes below. And with that, let's start the show. Okay, so you get out of aviation, you start a job with PPG. Uh, what are you What are you doing for PPG? What, is, what does that look like for you? Well, uh, I got into uh, actual fleet because of my aviation background and uh, mechanical background. They got me into doing fleet work. So I worked with truck, buses, emergency equipment, um, did some traveling, um, and really just worked with the technical side. So I did a lot of uh, helping OEM lines actually get through, worked a little bit with Mack Truck with the robotics, got into robotics with the Vilbus, um, and uh, worked with Mack Truck, worked with uh, TMC Bus in, in uh, Roswell, New Mexico back in the days, um, and um, a lot of OEM stuff, uh, bus and, and uh, uh, let's see, bus and transportation, not OEM, but actually uh, authorities, so Los mm-hmm. Angeles or Rapid Transit District, that type of thing. So I went in and helped develop systems, helped help work with their equipment to make sure that their assembly line type processes were maintained and uh, helped uh, remove waste at the time. I didn't know anything about lean then, but I knew the, some of the basics of removing waste and, and making the processes work smoothly. So are you naturally a kind of guy where <clears throat> you look at something and you can tell if it's inefficient or efficient efficient or something like that or does that not come real natural to you it it does come natural to me to the point where it it kind of bugs people because i'll look at something i I can see something wrong with it before they don't even know and i I have that um ability too with mechanical things like i i I feel vibrations that people don't feel I, i see things that can be a problem down the road it's just one of those those skill sets that i was born with um I'm related to Isaac Newton. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, oh. directly related to Isaac Newton. So um, it has a tendency of, of uh, keeping me involved with things, I guess is one way of putting it, because I, I love that involvement. I like to get involved with making things better, um, coming up with new ideas. Just putting a shot in the dark, are you kind of an audio guy then too? Like you enjoy really good headphones, speakers, and stuff like that? Um, I do. Um but I, here's the problem. I have so many things that I like to do. I try to prioritize, and generally it doesn't allow me enough time to really have geeky fun with that because yep. I, just, I just don't. I, I Generally speaking, if I get involved with something, my last home, I spent a year, honestly, I spent a year going through and, and putting in uh, automation, alarm system, um, audio, surround sound, theater room, all that stuff, and uh, let me turn around and sell it a year later. So. What, was, what was the biggest thing that you noticed, the difference between fleet side and you know, the, the position that you took, you know, automotive painting. I think the, the politics, you know, there were politics in manufacturing and in the fleet side, but nowhere near as bad as automotive refinish. You didn't have the, uh, didn't, because I was working a lot with more with manufacturers. You didn't have the insurance involvement. You didn't have the pressure to get things done as efficiently. It was more of a, Hey, we need to get so many units out. You know, there was always pressure because of that. If it was on the manufacturing side, if it was refinish, Generally speaking, when you're you know fixing fleet trucks or fixing fleet vehicles, whether it be planes or, or ambulances, there's not quite as much pressure time-wise to get them done. It's more of a get it done right, and it better look right. Um, so you didn't have quite as many masters in a job. You didn't have you know the you didn't have the financial master. You didn't have the mechanical master. You didn't have the the uh, 
the, you know, the paint mastery. There, you had a couple, but you didn't have all of them beaten on you at the same time. Interesting. Um, so it was just a, it was just a different, um, it was a different speed. You know, I don't know whether that's the right word or not, but it, it was a, it was an interesting industry. Um, but I got, I got bored is really what happened and, 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 uh, more money and boredom. It kind of worked out. What was the best trading that you took when you were at this? What was what was this position called? I, maybe I missed it, and I apologize if I missed what the actual. I didn't say. Position. Okay. I was a, I was a territory manager for okay. uh, for PPG. I think the best training was was uh, management business management training because um, I you know I always because I ran my own business the aviation business I, I ran that and. Um, I had employees, I had payroll, I had, you know, HR kind of stuff back then. HR wasn't that big of a deal. Then you had air quality. There was a lot of things to it, but it wasn't the speed of an automotive business either. So, um, that, you know, I, I took business training. I think that was best. I think the next would have been, would have been jobber training, how to, how to run a distribu distribution point or a distributor, because I, you know, as an automotive refinish, um, territory manager, you had to help your jobbers. A lot of them. Uh, as as many positions in this industry started without education, a lot of them started without education. They wound up getting in the business um, with a high school, you know, education, and uh, were very successful. There's still you know many of them out there. They're extremely successful. They're multimillionaires because yeah. of some of this consolidation going on. And um, as human beings, and you'll find this later on as we discuss some of the things I'm doing now with with this brand, is human beings are wired to help people. It completes us. It helps us feel better. So, you know, if you called me after this podcast and said, "Hey, guy, I've got a question for you," if I can help you, it makes me feel good. It, yeah. Same thing with you. When you help people, it makes you feel good. It completes you, right? So, um, I think you know the more training I took that let me help my customers, build, and then also at the same time you build those professional relationships that that don't go away. I still have friends in the industry that that are in San Diego still that I still communicate with. Um, those relationships are are pretty special and they got that way because you helped them you showed them who you were and that you cared about them and um i, I think that training is always valuable when you when you put yourself in a position to be that that uh, mentor hey guys adam from the podcast i hope you are enjoying today's episode just wanted to ask you a quick favor if the show has brought you value in some way would you mind giving us a review and sharing the show it really helps the show get out there also if you are looking to expand the services that your shop offers and you want to do more than collision work you should really check out our company, Clarity Coat. Clarity Coat is a peelable paint that allows body shops to offer color changes cheaper than a repaint while still looking like real paint. You can also offer clear protection that has no edges and is sprayed instead of laid. Unlike vinyl and PPF, Clarity Coat can be sanded and polished, so you can give your customer the exact look that they are wanting. If you are looking to expand your shop's services, go to claritycoat.com and fill out our Become an Installer form. All right, let's get back to the show. What do you think could be improved in the industry? And, you know, where do you think the industry is headed and everything like that? And I think almost every single person that I have interviewed has brought up management yeah. every single time. Yeah. It's, and I've, I've said my theories on this show again, and I'll spare the listeners from groaning <laughs> ah. <laughs> because it would literally be like the dozenth time that I've said it. But I think that is. I think that's going to be the thing that makes the biggest difference in any shop out there, hands down, and getting younger guys in this industry is management. Well, management, I, I, um, I take that one step further, and it's leadership. And yep. um, I, I left PPG 
and for 10 years. And I, I did a lot of different things. I started a couple of my own businesses. One of them was Snap-on. Um, I, I learned a lot about marketing. I, I made a point of learning about marketing. I, I, I came really close to buying a digital printing and marketing business yeah. uh, in San Diego because it intrigued me. And again, it's kind of helping people, but pulling people in and, and telling them a story, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what I found when I went back to work for PPG was a, was a tremendous, I went to back to work for them after 10 years in business development. And there was a tremendous hole for leadership. And what happened is, you know, to make these improvements to the body shop industry, to, to remove waste from the process, to, in, to, in, you know, to invoke lean process and lean processes and to be able to meet the demands of the insurance companies, the financial, the timing, the keys to keys time, from the time you drop off your keys to the time you pick them up again. Um, it, it, was, it was really something that was outside of the realm of those, I'm going to say not educated, but you know, people that didn't necessarily have that management training or that business training, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, the, the, the buddies that worked for them, you know, these people that worked for them all these years, all of a sudden they were kind of, you know, these owners were on their own. It's like, man, I, I can't lean on these people anymore. That's all they can do. And in order for me to stay in business and stay profitable, I have to get cars out. I need to shorten my cycle time. I've got to get these things done on my own. I've got to figure out a way to do this. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't reach back to their friends to help them out. You couldn't go to the body men that you've known for 15 years and go, hey, dude, you got to get this done quicker. Well, I, I can't, I, you know, I can't get the parts or I can't do this or I can't do that. Or, the, you know, my the paint shop's not doing it. it. You know, every excuse in the book, I could, we could talk about excuses for the next hour. Yep. Um, they were there. So they were really feeling kind of helpless. And then um, what I found was that the whole leadership piece was just missing. And I had done, during that 10 years off, I had done some, lean process training and I did some lean work for as a, a consultant for several different businesses to clean up the process. So I was already kind of involved and I took what I had learned and taught myself and took some formal training from PPG and I put together a, a training uh, program for distributors to be able to make themselves relevant yeah. um, and to help train their sales staff to go out and be you know, to, to be a process improver, if you would, for their customers and make themselves relevant in their customers' eyes. Going back to, it fulfills us to help people. What? Well, I, I guess this is another question, but are you still reading and reading anything new about management or leadership? Um, if so, what are, what are you reading or? You know, n not as much as I used to. Um, I, I, I do keep up with it. Um, I, when I was speaking on leadership uh, for the California Auto Body Association, when I was um, in business development, um, I used to, there was a couple of my, you know, my favorite authors. As a matter of fact, that's when I met David Goldstein, which was a guest yeah. on your show a while yeah. back here um, on, on leadership. And uh, also, you know, as a business owner, making yourself special. And um, leadership, you know, one of my favorite authors, I think you're going to ask that, is, is uh, um, a book called uh, Leading Change by John P. Cotter. And um, it really helped me understand the dynamic of going through that process. And, um, you know, books like you know, Ken Blanchard, of course, he, I actually had a chance to meet and, I, and I've, I've sat on and had dinner with Ken Blanchard. It was a really interesting process and a good friend of mine actually works with Ken Blanchard now. Um, but Lead Like Jesus was a really good one. Um, one Minute Manager, Who Moved My Cheese? These are all little snippets. And, um, they were really good. Um, leading change by John Cotter. I used to raffle those off. So when I'd go and talk to 
to groups. You know, if you would have told me back before I went back to work for PPG that I was going to have to get in front of a group of people and speak to them, I would not have taken the job. <laughs> I, I would not have because it scared me to death. And what I found is, you know, in public speaking, I know I'm kind of going off, off course here a little bit, but I found in public speaking that if you believe in and know your material, it's fun to get up in front of people. Yep. Because instead of worrying about what you're going to say, you're reading the audience. Yep. And when you can read the audience, you can speak right to somebody that, that you're losing. Yep. And, and it, it's fun to throw zingers at people and look them in the eye and go, well, what do you think about this? And um, it, it, it's, when you get done, you've got this, this, this high that just makes you feel awesome. And in the meantime, you've helped people. And you know that when you're done, you've helped people. Yep. And um, it was just great. And there's another book called The Purple Cow. I had a bunch of purple cows printed up. But I was, I, I was buy these books by the case. I was giving them away. Yep. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It, doesn't, it just doesn't matter. If you can take that theory of making yourself special, making yourself stand out, and doing things to that level that you're different, um, you're going to get somewhere in this world. And it, it's it's just a it's a mentality. And I really I really used to speak on that mentality and how to bring your people into it. And that's for the leadership. So, a you have a place where you want to have your business, the purple cow, and B you have this how do I get it there? And you can't really have one without the other. You need leadership to be able to bring your people into that process. And that to me was super intriguing because you got the chance to see it happen. And then, you know, you, you'd work with people to work them through that process and, and you make lifelong friends doing it. And yep. um, I, it's funny because I, I have one, I have a shop that called me, oh, probably two weeks ago and wanted some advice. I hadn't talked to him in three years. It was like, we, you know, it's like I've only been away for a week and we just, it just caught up. He called me, he goes, hey, I need some advice. and. We talked about his business and, and went through a few processes that, that he's been having trouble with, and, and it all comes back. So for anybody listening, if people don't know who you are, how are you supposed to sell them on what you do? You, do, you, do you actively go out and buy stuff that you have zero knowledge about or don't know the brands or anything like that? No. Like, you buy what you know or the people that you like, right? Right. Um, but the other is a question, and this is – very honestly selfish of me but how did you learn how to do all this back-end stuff of building a brand building a company um doing this doing that for me it was really uh what drove me i enjoy doing these things so i would use things i mean i what you know when i first went to ppg you know i'd walk in it's back in the day when you wore a tie i'd walk into a shop with a tie on the painters look at you like get out of here are you wasting my time Look well, at this I, suit. You know, understand you got a problem here, you know, and and uh, I I put a paint suit on, tuck my tie in, put some plastic over my shoes, and go paint a car. And you would you'd gain that respect, okay? So you're not just a suit, right? Um, in this industry, same thing. I uh, to me to this day, I'll still go get in the shop if I need to. When I when I because I test all the products I put out, I test, and uh, I get involved actively, get involved in that testing, but. Honestly, when, when I'm in the position I'm in today, I know myself that the products that I put out are top-notch products. Mm -hmm. So it's my job really to train the people, and that's where that learning management system process comes in. To train the people, give them the knowledge, and what's taken the time is the trust. And that kind of goes hand-in-hand with hand what you're saying, the trust. So now to this day, and I get involved with, with uh, inventory as well, so I make sure that the products are available. 
do you guys have any sort of uh, like desk ticketing system or anything like that? And the reason why I ask is because that has actually helped us out a lot because we have a ticketing system to where we can go back and look at here's some of the questions that we've gotten over the last year or, you know, whatever it is. And then we can filter by most common questions or whatever and say, okay, we obviously need to address this because this is something that comes up multiple different times. Well, you know, it's me. Um, one thing I learned, you know, I, I went through this process probably for, I don't know, three of the last five years in the background, completely in the background. Um, I did, I did a, a, a monthly, cause we have a, we have a broadcast we do corporately throughout the entire organization uh, called Paint Center. And um, I, would, I would do a small segment, recorded it in our studios I built in California. I had a little office in a studio. I recorded it live. And I would just, we'd, I'd throw it or I'd hand it off to the, the person that was doing the show and he'd throw it back to me. And we'd do some back and forth. It was all set up ahead of time. And um, that was the only knowledge anybody had of me um, was what they saw if they actually watched it, right? So what I found that it was too limited. And when I started getting involved with inventory, and making sure product was available when they ordered it, uh, I made myself available. And it's been one of the best things I ever did. Everybody in the organization knows how to get a hold of me. If I communicate with someone that, that doesn't know how to get a hold of me, first thing I do is send them an email, keep the information on this. Uh, I have a QR code on my, um, hold on to thing, QR codes. I have a QR code on my, on my header for my, my email, my signature line. And the first thing I do is scan it with your phone, put it in your phone. If you need anything, call me. If I don't answer, I will call you back. Yep. That has been a huge change because people know they can get a hold of me. And if I don't answer, I do call them back. And um, I have, uh, you know, I, I think I've built that trust within our organization of people that are actually out in the field having to deal with it. And um, it, it doesn't, it's not a tremendous waste of time. It, it might be maybe two, three hours a week. In, in a week's time, that's nothing if you're creating goodwill and making sure these guys know what's going on. So they know they can call me if they need me. If people wanted to get a hold of you or, you know, uh, how, how would they want to, how would you want them to get in contact with you? I think the easiest way to do that would be info, I-N-F-O, at Vitek, V-I-E-T-E-K, dot com. If there's something that the people on this show could do for you, mm -hmm. what would you want them to do? Um, you know, for me, I, I like ideas. Um, I like ideas, you know, people that have good ideas uh, for the industry. Um, I'm always open to new ideas and, you know, sometimes it's disappointing because I, I get ideas. People send me ideas and things all the time. And sometimes it's just not practical. Uh, I, I've put a, I've put a couple of things on, on in the market to, you know, we have a very captured audience. We have, you know, people that work for us that, that I send products out to. Um, it has to be something really easy or something that already exists and a better way of doing it because I, man, we've put some neat stuff out there that, that to me is just like a no-brainer. This is awesome. And it just sits on the shelf. It's, it's crickets. Interesting. And um, let's just say it's not appreciated. <laughs> looking looking, you know, up at management when they look at me and go, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like ideas. Uh, I really do. Um, I, you know, I, and, and that to me is, is rewarding when you take some an idea, an idea and put it to market and make it happen. Yeah. Can't, can't say it'll always work, but... You know, I do my best to make sure I bring the good stuff out. All right, that does it for today's quick clips. If this episode has brought you value, would you mind giving us a review? Also, if you would like to learn more about Clarity Coat and what it can do for your business, please visit us at ClarityCoat.com. See you on the next one.